to Five Blossom Radio with your host, Denise Richard. Five Blossom Empowerment is based on an unusual model for growth, combining elements of the arts, health, and spirituality. Now, here is Denise Richard. So, welcome to Five Blossom Radio. To all my listeners, we're uh, looking at a podcast today that's going to touch in or look at the blend of views that I brought forward over the past weeks around spirituality. Um, I'm going to deliver an, uh, an assembly of details, you might say, that are going to integrate uh, some of the work we've ta- done. Um, one is the Four Voices Program and Spiritual Care. I'm going to look at the issue also of training and how spiritual care provides the foundation for your health. So this talk today is going to engage you in how the Five Blossom model uh, for spirituality offers a unique approach. So it's a design that promotes care and I would say very strongly heartfelt courage. So the first half I'm just going to go through, do a little review, going to engage you in what you may have heard or maybe not, and help you get a little bit of a foundation. And then in the second half, I'll take that into more specifics around um, around what training is, how I see training to be. We have a concept of training, and this is probably going to change your view a little bit. So I'm going to start with speaking to um, a term I just brought forward, which is heartfelt courage. That's essentially the theme of our work today. And for those moments when we're most afraid or we're closed off, or I would say actually unavailable or unable to open or accept the possibility of what's going on or or change, is actually when we suffer most. And courage of the heart, in my view, is actually rare to know how to respond, to know how to hold ourselves uh, in gratitude uh, and in, in, with a bigger view, with all the possibilities, regardless of what we perceive is the, um, is the result. So I feel that courage of the heart can be taught. And I also feel that those who know how to teach know that how, how we learn, how we can learn that. I feel also it's a privilege uh, to learn how to remain in that state of calmness, feeling collected when a situation is really painful, really dire. So when you're in a state of courage, if you consider taking a moment and asking yourself, what is courage and how do we hold a state of courage? It, it, for some people, it's, it's like, wow, okay, this is going to be a big step forward because we don't get to consider these questions very easily. When we're faced with painful situations, we're often pushed into a choice of how am I going to manage that. But courage uh, is, a, is, is a state that, um, as I mentioned, it's a state of receptivity. And when you're at your fullest, when you're really overwhelmed or really stimulated with an experience, it takes a lot of understanding and compassion uh, and, and and knowing, it's a deep, deep wisdom to know that um, courage defies darkness. So it, it inspires from, from within. It's inspired from within, and it inspires from within uh, a natural alignment with a greater field of care. Those who feel it know it. And when you know what courage feels like or you see courage, it's... Uh, it brings tears to my eyes because it's very, 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 very special. So in our work today, what I'll do is, as I mentioned, we're going to review a few things and begin uh, with the concept of uh, the Four four Voices program I brought forward a few weeks ago. Um, the reason I bring that forward is because it's, it is the foundation for a lot of things that I've grown through. I briefly introduced the concept of how we grow in that podcast, and uh, I talked about earth-based consciousness or practices or indigenous roots and and how we learn or inspired of faith through those who help us or inspire us with our growth. So I presented a view 
and I talked about these four quadrants. It was like a, I, I found I found the image of that little window pretty basic and easy because it's common. And uh, those four quadrants and each designating um, something of importance, a, a, a position or um, <clears throat> let's say a, a way of uh, relating that was important and each engaging and encouraging health and maturation. So consider these as common voices, common personalities, and importantly as, as pillars, the foundation of what creates um, our relationships, our families, our communities, and so on. So as these voices are significant in our youth, and uh, they mindfully ignite the way for a bigger view of reality for us to be able to grow in consciousness. They fill our memories. They're like banks of gold. So these voices are solidly within and inspire the way we think, the way we act, the way we hold our heart, the way we hold our grounding. And as they imbue us with knowledge, uh, they encourage us. They bring us that base of understanding of what courage can look like. And they um, they teach care. So courage, as I see it, is developed through that, through our trust in those who hold the pillars of society for us and, who are, and those who entrust us with that care. So this is pretty basic, pretty simple to conceive of. Anyone can, can say, oh yeah, that makes sense. But these people reveal to us the nature of who we are. And that's really the important piece. If those who uh, hold us have the understanding, have the, the, have the sense of that privilege of revealing to a young person or to a teenager or to an apprentice the nature of who they really can be and to hold that in inspiration, that the, the roots of this presence is the existence, the foundation for all of us as humans. It's not too simple, I think. It's, it's not too common. It, I feel it's a simpler, a very simple truth. So consider um, that there can be that voice for all. And I, I'm going to take a, a, a moment and breathe here and just relax in and consider that the, the four pillars whether it be the, the feminine, the masculine, the union of both of these, in other words, our mother, our father, our grandparents, um, and then the elders, those who hold through wisdom and through experience and help care. All of this together um, is the voice of essential care. And that voice is asking, is pleading continually for the same. In other words, please, Peace, please, clean water, please, food. So that voice is always there. And that's the foundation that I spoke of in the four, um, the four voices. So these voices reflect, and they reflect to us continually. So those who want to know a little bit more about that talk, you can go back to the podcast of October 30th entitled Four Voices. I'm going to let it go for now because I need to move on. Um, but those four voices for me, as I look back, I can pinpoint those people who actually inspired the way I think, the way I move, the way I act, and the way I hold to the values uh, I care about. And that structure um, is, is golden. So when we care, we look to understand how to move ourselves or to place ourselves in the heart of a situation. And as I mentioned, I come back to the word, it's a privilege, because when you care, you recognize the delicateness of one word can change a whole program or can change a person's view. So it's very, um, it, the responsibility of caring is, is huge here. So as we learn in this talk, that when the heart is closed and we can't, evaluate or move with appropriate action we have to learn to hold a better way and care for those in need and support so when the heart isn't taken properly we have to designate people who can help so traditionally these would be the elders and i'm coming back to that as the last and the most important voice 
because in this podcast I speak to the voice of the elders as it gets passed down and what training really is and why it's so important to us. So if the elder examines and holds the way of support and manages the bigger change or supports the bigger change, we recognize that without it, we cannot move forward. So commonly, we support children to have courage, and we look to teach how to maintain the presence and power. And when there's, for instance, bullying, which is so prevalent, and it's not just with children, I see it all the time, we can't do much. We can't do very much to... Um, to change the situation unless the power comes from within. So when we see somebody who's vulnerable and doesn't have that sense of courage within, it's very painful. And then you wonder, how do we instill in kids the ability to see the beauty and to hold to a value when the outside world is so dominantly negative? So these these concerns have been with us for quite a while. We've, we've done great strides in being able to encourage uh, a voice that's, um, uh, that, that's inclusive, a voice that is uh, um, holding to heartfelt power. And still we struggle. We struggle horribly with this. So if the four voices are actually the base of support, that support us in creating a platform. These voices interrelate. Uh, it's a way of engaging the whole. And it's in a way of encouraging or creating heartfelt courage. So I'm inspired to open this forth with a little bit of light here. And it's a sensitive way of saying that my way of approaching the work is through lightness. The talk, it can be felt a little, because that's a heavy subject. But the way of working it is really through kindness, through compassion, and through the understanding. So the five blossom model is very distinct that way. The counsel through five blossom is uplifting. The work through five blossom is uplifting. Because the only way you'll be able to make a change is if you have a sense of hope, a sense of light, and a sense of something that holds that you can work towards in darkness, it's very, very painful. So it's not the it's not the the challenge we face. It's the way that we relate to the challenge that makes the difference in the training. So I remember not very long ago, um, I was describing a story where I was in the field and I was um, having a moment where I was lacking courage, and I was having a an awareness that things sometimes don't coalesce the way we want. And on a physical level, if we feel really unwell, then we need to learn how to lift that up, enlighten it. And I was standing in the field and I decided to do a little bit of my program work. And a, a bluebird, uh, actually it was a swallow, came towards me. And anybody who knows swallows, they rush in very fast and they're very specific. And it, it, it swirled around me and went back and forth. And I, I was looking at that and watching going, this is how we move, actually. That's not too, dis, too dissimilar to what we have to do in order to manage ourselves, to take to evaluate a situation. But in this situation, these bluebirds, these swallows came towards me and started wishing and washing around me in fast movements and it it made me laugh is what it did I couldn't stop laughing because it was it's like a big play it's like I couldn't I couldn't stay sad I couldn't stay serious I had to just see how light the world was and that reminded me that uh, to take this whole process as a gift and how it reminded me how um, how light the body can be because I felt lighter. It reminded me how light the world could be because I felt lighter in general. But it also reminded me how important the land was, the earth was, because here I was in the middle of a park. And it also reminded me of the gift that we're given, that the responsibility for my body, for my moment, for that moment was up to me. 
and how I related to it. And that's a difficult thing to learn. And it's a difficult thing to train into. So the body is your space. The way you relate to whether it be a common park or whether it be the drugstore, it's, it's, it's your responsibility, how you relate to the space. Or maybe, it's, you know, consider somebody recently who said to me, hey, I'm actually happy in it happier when I'm like 30 miles out into the wilderness on my own on a canoe and I don't see anybody for days because I'm so small I know I know the right order of things in other words I know that it's huge this 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 world is vast and it's powerful and I feel in my right place and that kind of statement made me see the importance of well what if we look at that and consider that the gift today is your creativity. The gift today is to inspire something greater and the power of the cycle that you're given here. And that the power to renew, the power to change and to evolve is yours. And the movement of all that is creativity. And with this gift, you are allowed, you're given permission to make your life Now, this allowance is something that we don't consider very easily. Yet, the next thing I can ask you to consider is that the pristine peace of who you are, the pristine is no different than pristine land. It's given to you pristinely. And what you do with that, you know, it's like that, do we put up a parking lot? <laughs> or would you like to leave it clean? Would you like to have it serve you the way that it's meant to, the way that it can? So the respect and how you hope and help it evolve is your life. So here I, I speak to the five the five blossom model as as also a reflection of the five senses that hold you and bring you forward. And I speak to uh, the culture of what we live in uh, as an ecosystem in itself and how the culture includes not just urban environment, if that's where you're living, or maybe you're 100 miles out in the wilderness. It's all the same. To each human being, we have the responsibility to be inclusive, and also to hold responsibility for the care and to commit to a way of heart. So how this influences the use of our resources and the way of giving collectively. So I refer to my book here from the last podcast um, on how experience is going to be your way through. You can't do anything without your personal experience. I can tell you as much as I can tell you, but what you know and what you work with is going to be the, the grit for, the, for, for growth here. Uh, I talked about how through the difficulties that I've had, I've learned about the edge of experience and about inspiration and about um, those uh, who love and I was thinking about, since our topic is spirituality and training, I wanted to also review a moment of, you know, anybody who likes hard exercise or maybe you like to run um, and who likes to understand how, how do you, how do some people do, how do some people do 26 miles? Like, you know, it's extreme. It's insanely extreme. And at the same time, these are the people who know the edge of experience. They know how when all of a sudden they start feeling that, okay, the energy is waning and the, you know, you're feeling a little less grounded and you know that you're getting to the edge. And how do you maintain courage in the body, in the presence and move through that wall that you could hit so easily? So, or anybody who's in caregiving, heavy, heavy caregiving, where they have to be up all night performing, whether it be an operation or they have to gather people in order to promote, you know, safety, that edge of experience of how do you hold and care for yourself or for other people is very, very valuable. It's a very delicate edge of training. 
And it's not often given to people that they can learn about that. So the the way that I explain it is that as you learn about your body and you learn about the basics of, for instance, whether you take running, if you don't breathe, you ain't going to run. If you don't breathe, you're not going to even walk. If you don't breathe, you aren't going to be able to hold anything in the body. So everything in, in a, in a, on a spiritual level usually comes down to our ability to inspire, breathe in, and our ability to let go or allow the, the release, the expiration. And that cycle is actually one of the most valuable pieces that we learn to work with when we're looking at courage. Because when we're discouraged, we're often fearful and we're often holding breath. So we look to release the discouragement through learning to breathe. So it's a very basic you know, practice. But the, the, the point made here is that uh, we want to hold and give to ourselves and not be scared of the end result. So creating, as I've mentioned before, that envelope of care is requires the creating of a, um, a relationship to the essence of what courage is and what courage can, how courage is developed or creating uh, a climate, in other words, a way of evaluating, a way of relating to those around you, a way of responding to your body. And it's a process. It's an individual. Um, it, it's individually set up by the experiences you hold. We can share the experiences, but we cannot experience each other. And it's, your, it's, it's all yours. Your, your five senses, you're going to do it your way. So, I've spoken about the training in various ways from other podcasts. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk through, uh, take the last few minutes before we go to break for a minute, um, and speak a little bit about what I've done in terms of setting a foundation for people who don't have an understanding. And then in the next segment, I'll talk more about that. So the Five Blossom model, as I've designed, is... um, is, is unique because it's going to awaken uh, you in a very personal way. So the five blossoms can be seen in different ways. It can be seen in, as different ways of access to the training, but it can also be seen as different ways of learning. It can be seen as different ways of um, relating to yourself. So... Most people consider a training as a physical experience, and that's why mostly the base entry level would be considered uh, as a physical exercise. So that's most where, where most people come in. The second way of approach is through counsel. So often somebody will come in with a concern, whether it be uh, a heartfelt problem or maybe it's a physical challenge, but there's a way of requesting awareness and, um, and care, just a way of caring for a way of relating to that. And that would be another way of approach. So those are the two most common ways that people approach uh, the five blossom models. There's other ways too, but that those are the two I'll speak to in this very moment. And in order to support those two entry levels, um, I have the Flying Crane Chikung. Uh, if you want to go to eventbrite.ca, I have a freebie coming up, but it's also a regular Tuesday night class. And it's it's a special place because that the Flying Crane Chikung has a way of engaging all the five blossoms and in one practice and gives you a little bit of each and gives you a sense of, of yourself from a unique vantage point. And in that, when, when we like ourselves, when we like the feeling we generate in ourselves by relating properly to ourselves, we then can bring courage forward, encourage ourselves and encourage others. And so that base of respect is actually brought forward. The other thing the Five Blossom Model 
has is I opened up a, a new um, way of working with earth stewardship. And it's a way of talking about the, let's say when I speak about counsel a little bit, a way of relating to heartfelt concern and holding it in light. It's not about, um, you know, the, 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 the challenges, it's not about talking in, in a denigrating way in any way of the challenge. It's more of uplifting and promoting a heartfelt courage in facing our relationship in daily life. And that could be urban or it could be wilderness or it could be environmental, but it's a way of, of counsel. It's a group counsel. It's a very sensitive and it's called the way of earth stewardship and it's a webinar. So I'll have a new one opening up in the new year and that's a, an entry level and that would be fun for anybody because it's also online so it's accessible. So we're going to take a moment and I'm uh, going to talk again in a few minutes on uh, the five blossom model and spirituality. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Five Blossom Gatherings is the website and program from Denise Richard. By visiting FiveBlossomGatherings.com, you'll find out more about Denise's professional Tai Chi and Qigong services. Explore her website and view works of art and much more. You can book healing and counseling sessions with Denise. She works with clients who have health interests and concerns. Her programs include knowing your whole body, self-care for your health, and inspiring wholeness. Visit 5BlossomGatherings.com today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to 5 Blossom Radio. Connect with the program today by calling in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to 5blossomgatherings at gmail.com. Now, back to 5 Blossom Radio. Hello to my listeners. This is Denise Richard again. Now we're going to talk... A little bit more about the five blossom model and spirituality. I was doing a little recap on the first half about the Four Voices program and the influences of my book, Love and Impasse. And I also talked a little bit about other influences that I've brought forward. And I was mentioning how uh, a lot of the work of encouragement or finding courage within uh, is about also knowing our place of finding our right relationship. And that uh, that's not an easy thing in a world that's uh, moving and changing constantly. That's probably the biggest challenge we face and learning to work with change and learning to work with um, the insane movement around us and the, immense stimulation that we have is uh, of a level that we would never have imagined. When I consider uh, being, you know, very young and living so close to the earth because there were few stimulations if you wanted to uh, play, you would play outside. And playing outside was really playing in the wilderness mostly. There were very few other things other than creating, you know, with crayons or you know, doing some creative work. Uh, otherwise, that was it. And you consider the insane influence that our children have now with the, um, you know, with the internet and with uh, the amount of disassociation from um, from the earth or from the from the uh, from the environment 
because of the challenges that we face, uh, much of what I'm going to bring forward today is about how I see that meeting the, the change ahead or meeting the fear, meeting the bigness uh, is very much about being clear that the what we don't know about, that potential that we know little about, but see the symptoms of, what makes us feel vulnerable, what makes us feel squeamish, what fe- makes us feel unprepared or needy is is very real. And much of the work, I mean, many people even just saying what I just said, well, I can't even consider that. I know that's, I'm already overwhelmed. I'm already, you know, my glasses overflowing. <laughs> and that's very, very, very big as a concern. If we're continually overstimulated, then how do we learn? How do we unlearn that? How do we learn to connect uh, not only just within, but with each other without going into a panic state, without going into a state of, of dire distress? So I, 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 looking at that, I thought, okay, there's, in my view, a definite path to finding uh, good grounding and finding a calm relationship to that. In experience, I have it, and I've seen it in others. So I, I bring to you that, that sense of encouragement to stick with me. I'm going to walk through a few things here that uh, will help dispel some of that concern that we see and also give some light to how you can take that step forward in light, whether it be in your daily life or whether it be through a model such as the one that I'm bringing forward. So I think back to uh, what I just said, and I, it reminded me actually of my first day of school and how, um, you know, how unprepared I felt. I mean, I had I'd never been away from home. It was, you know, we lived in a very uh, rural environment, and it was just a big deal to go into the city. And how we manage these these very big events when we're very tiny is probably no different than how we're going to do it when we're older depending on the four voices and all the all the people who've trained us to be present and in presence so uh you expect yes that mom and dad are going to be there your teacher your neighbor uh when you're small but when you're an adult there may not be you may be the leader you might have to be that leader, and that's where your way of relating, your way of approach uh, is going to make or break your reality and the reality for others. So I take a moment and I think about the fact that what if we all consider that that responsibility if given, and if allowed to respond appropriately, then we would be able to live without that venerable terror. So what is it that transforms us or holds us differently that makes us capable of facing the bigness What allows us to know that, yes, I might lose my life here, but I'm I'm able to stand in heart and I'm able to look at my neighbors with kindness. What is that? What transforms us from that state into that other state? That's a very, very profound place to go. So... Another thought is mentioned, I mentioned before is to consider that your symptoms, so whether you, whatever those symptoms are, I've talked about that before, whatever those symptoms are of distress that you know of, whatever puts you in that place of fear, and however that demonstrates itself within and all around you, if you consider a way of remedy to that. A remedy as the creation of many things. So not one thing, but maybe many things. 
you choose to not deny the symptoms, so if you don't ignore them, that you will then be able to take yourself into that place. So that possibility. So symptoms, if respectfully observed, and this is where the training comes in, and it's not about therapy. It's about a way of relating. So if they're treated in fairness and seen as simply potential, but not the end, they will take care of us. And to meet the vastness of the, the bigness that we have to face with care, with collective care, especially that's even bigger, it's more powerful, those who choose to observe that will know that that was the voice of the elders that I was bringing forward a few podcasts ago. That that is the way that they were trained to meet the very, very big changes that they came to. So the point here is that these symptoms are commonly felt. Fear, terror, the no way out. Those who can, will, and choose to pay attention and learn a new stride and take the road and play it with care. So like any journey, those who choose to prepare will gain with awareness, impacted by the choices that they make in care and consideration for the fact that it's heartfelt courage that will make the change for us. And heartfelt courage is something that's very, very, very special. So I recall a journey. I was in the European mountains and I was uh, driving a car and all of a sudden a flash, a monstrous flash of weather, rain, torrents of rain, and not knowing where I was going, having to deliver this vehicle, having to get to a to a to a train station, having to, um, you know, you, I mean, you get a flash flood, you can't you can't move, you can't see where you're going, you can't manage anything, and it was one of those where all the symptoms. Right on, you know, I can't breathe, I can't see, and I had to move with the moment. So I find myself, I think I've arrived somewhere at, at a certain point. I arrive at this train station, I think I know where I am. I leave my car, I go into the train station, and recognize that I'm in the wrong train station, I'm in the wrong, <laughs> everything's out of alignment, and I'm losing myself because my, and I have minutes, minutes to, to figure this out. And I had been in training for maybe a decade already uh, with the Five Blossom model, and, or, and to, my, to my good grace, I was so grateful for watching how the training that I had received had taught me basic skills in staying calm, staying quiet, staying heartfelt, and staying connected. And so I, you know, sat there and to see if people, I know enough, I can't speak the language, and I'm walking through and I just very gently opened my voice and asked if anybody spoke my language and slowly just, you know, just opened my heart and said, I'm looking for somebody because if I, the ticket wicket was way overwhelmed, the information booth was way overwhelmed, I just, there's no way I was going to get to my destination and it was still really wet out there and it was very bad weather and I ended up getting exactly what I needed. Because I was really clear. I was really clear that I was going to proceed in this very specific manner that I had been trained. And to my, you know, to my great joy, uh, a person came up to me. Yes, I can speak your language. And yes, 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 and yes, and yes. And the next thing I'm told is, 
do this and do this and you will find yourself resolved. And it was like that. It was as easy, as easy as it went. And I'll always remember the moment of being on that edge and going, wow, was that ever worth a moment's it was like one of those little, you know, you feel like you won a medal for, for being aware, for being kind to yourself, for not, for not losing it. So I speak to that because those are kind of things that we go through. How many people can say, I go through that every day. I have to face that kind of challenge of, you know, having to face the world. So when a person comes into looking at what is training, Training, yes, is physical, but it's, it's, it's in consciousness first. It's in awareness of how does the body maintain its natural flow of energetics and how do we work with that when so much of our body, when we can be so stimulated and we have patterns in how those, the stimulation can take us out of ourselves or take us somewhere where we don't feel capable of managing ourselves. So that's really what the training is about. And it's not about any hard, fast, or there's no way of, there's no negativity in the training. It's simply awareness and bringing yourself back to a heartfelt presence in mindfulness and in movement. And it helps you in the reconnection. It helps you in the, in the way of, of observing and helps you manage and bring yourself to the end result, to the best of your ability. So, in the many decades that I've been training in this model, um, it has helped me take care, obviously. But what it has also done is it's taught me that we will be inundated with rushes of impulses. It's part of our human nature. And and life is going to place a tremendous amount of energy upon you. And learning how to stay in a flow of experience uh, with the energy that's available uh, and using that as your resource and not being overwhelmed by the amount of energy that's either going to come at you or that's going to be um, experienced from within. So it requires a, a different kind of relationship, doesn't it? So with, I mean, I've witnessed through the many decades how there are different sources for, for that, um, for the, let's say, the, the downgrade or the entropy. Uh, one is aging. So I'm, you know, an elder, and I find it very exciting to work with elders. Uh, and I have worked with uh, elders who are, you know, very well in their 80s. And I've worked with elders who, at the age of 65, come to me and say, I haven't really exercised ever. You know, what am I going to do? I don't want to lose more of my physical capacity and I can easily say, well, with awareness and with heart, you can reclaim some of that good grounding. And I've seen tremendous results because it's kindness. It's all in kindness. It's not, it's not hard work. It's kind work. It's relationship work. So I'm sharing that because that's one of the sources that we naturally have to face. You're going to face it. I'm going to face it. We're all going to face it. It's that the challenge is whether we're willing to meet that. And not accept the voice that says, I'm old, I can't do that anymore. I'm old or I'm, 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 I'm not well, I can't do that. Or I, you know, whatever limits your, your way of, of being. But the other source for the downgrade or the inability to assimilate the, uh, the, the flood of energy, the flood of consciousness that comes to us. The other source that I see is undigested experiences. So if you have experiences that have blocked you and that you haven't been able to integrate, that will come again in some way. There's always a feedback that could happen that will prevent us from being able to um, follow through properly in the way that we might want to. So... For that, the training provides a clearing of 
that undigested material by it's like you know when I, I I I recently get to work at the fish fish hatchery and and they were showing me how in order to keep the water flowing through the little the trays where the eggs are being cooled so uh, so they can you know grow into little little fish <laughs> um, in order for that to happen the flow of water has to be continual. And the flow of water has to be cool. And the flow of water has to be clean. And I was musing how it's no different for us. In order to be healthy, the flow of energy has to be cool and quiet and clean. But that's not reality, is it? What we have to do is learn how to create that in order to be able to maintain our health. So the the other source, as I'm saying, as undigested, would be those bits or those experiences that I don't want to think about or touch on that might be important, that may be able to be cleansed out a little bit. And it's not hard. It's just about, oh, recognizing that, oh, yeah, I can open to that again. I can clean that away and let that go. So that's a way of saying that the memory in the body is held, and sometimes that's one of the sources that prevents us from um, being clean and grounded in our moment. And it's human nature, but it's kindness again that prevents us from harming ourselves or from losing that edge. So the simple route is to come back uh, as on that first day of school and um, Instead of tightening up and instead of hunching your shoulders or instead of, you know, screeching and racing around in terror, as, as kids will show you when they're very upset or when they're, you know, or flooded, um, let's find a more popular way of holding. And um, instead of being taken out by the fear or stopping our breath or stopping the flow, um, allowing for an access, allowing for... Um, a way of respect, and just the mention of it changes it, changes it, changes everything. So on the other hand, I see people who know about energetics, and they know about training, and this is never to you know put down anybody else's work. What I'm bringing forth is a is a very sensitive model that has taught me that the energetic blueprint that you were given when you were young, when you were first born, is pristine. It's like it's like that pristine piece of land. It knows how to manage itself. It knows how to change. It knows how to grow. How we work together, how we socialize, how we bring ourselves to work communally, all of that is important. And all of that is part of the work that we have to do in awareness so that we can maintain that pristineness in some way. What I'm also pointing towards is that the, the beauty is that it is always there. It doesn't actually go away, is my experience. And learning to reclaim it, even if it's just a little bit, is, is, is a value. It's like reclaiming that sweet smile in a child after they've harmed themselves or they've fallen down it's that yes factor and that is the voice that we want to encourage that is the encouragement that is the soulful connection that's the 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 mindful spiritual quality that training brings forward so in the five blossom model the training actually promotes awareness in physicality, not over physicality. And, you know, I, and understanding that training often requires a, um, a mindfulness, and but also willfulness. I will get up and I will go do that is part of the presence that is needed. So yes, I will go do my practice. But if it overrides the awareness of what the body's going through, then the energetics don't get to inform you of what's going on. So overriding, jumping over the symptoms is in this model. Um, not that we're not going to say that it's dangerous because we do it naturally, but it's not encouraged. It's encouraged to slow it down, quiet it down, 
and encourage the symptoms to come forward and to be released so that you can see beyond them and see what else is there and see in, 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 into a more a deeper place within. So the training doesn't jump over uh, what the physical body is needing either. What it does is it opens a pathway so that your physical training actually augments. So you can actually, even in old age, do things physically that are well beyond your normal sense of range because the energetics are in flow and because there's synergy between the subtle, which is the emotional, mental, spiritual, and the physical. So you can still play a very good game of squash or, and, and still be very happy and feel very much uh, in flu, uh, fluid and in flow. And that's a very, very profound experience as we age to be able to maintain that comfortably without, without feeling like you're putting out too much energy. So I'm approaching the end of our podcast today. And uh, I'm grateful and excited to have shared this with you. Um, in tra- the, the training influences your health, obviously, and it's proven that through thousands of years that the purpose actually promotes community care. The way of training promotes community care. And this is the work is genuine. So in some traditions that have claimed great health care and continue to lead the cutting edge of energetic health. So I'm, I'm very excited and happy that the good news is that it's easy. It's undiluted simplicity, and it's easy to manage. It's easy to follow. It's uncommon movements to stabilize and reclaim, and that's good news. But it's also good grounding. It also promotes the goodness that you have within you from your youth that may not be gone. It may be able to be reclaimed. So awareness is the key ingredient to the five blossom model and paying attention and putting a little bit of love in that delicate care uh, is really perhaps the essence of our work together. So the five blossom model, please consider, is a, is a spiritual way of work, but it's a very physical way of work uh, and it supports in fullness your soulful care. And uh, that's given to you um, by something much bigger, much greater. So those who understood the privilege of care knew that collective care in heart is the most, um, most endearing and imbues experience with love. So this is Denise Richard. I'm thanking you for your presence today. And uh, I welcome you to the Five Blossom Model in training. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us this week for Five Blossom Radio with Denise Richard. Please tune into our next program. We're live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, may you have a harmonious week.